ourselves to go into all the world, if we just constantly feed and if we don't go out, if we're not the presence carriers taking the good news of Jesus everywhere, we just get overweight, flabby Christians. And none of us want that. You know, we want to be alive. We want to be out where Jesus is working. And the water level gets deeper as you go out, according to Ezekiel. So I want to talk about uh, authority. I want to look at the right that Jesus gave us to do these things, to go into all the world and make disciples. This commission for mission started actually a long way back. And, and I just feel like um, there's a confidence that God wants to give us in our authority, knowing what we've been given to do and knowing what he's told us to do, that we've got authority to do that. Do you know your authority? Uh, because we are called to make a difference, you know. This, this carrying of his presence wherever we go is about influence. It's about changing the world. It's that we're called to be influencers rather than influence, to change the flavor of things with salt, to be light so that it overcomes the darkness, to be victors, not victims, uh, to bring solutions, not problems, to take his kingdom with us everywhere. This is the commission for mission that God has given us. And it all started with this great shift in the balance of power that took place when Jesus first commissioned his disciples. It was in Luke 9, 1. Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure sickness, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them power and authority to do all those things. That's the basic of what it is to be a Christian, to do all those things to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. That's what we're meant to be doing. That's our mission for life. So what does authority look like to do that? What does it mean to have that kind of authority, to know that, to be confident in that? How do you know if you have it? Um, and we've talked a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit already, but we need both power and authority. And I don't think many of us have any idea of the authority we've been given let alone how to use it. But if you'd asked the disciples at this point when Jesus first commissioned them, I don't think they would have had any difficulty because they'd seen Jesus' authority right before their eyes. The Gospels are full of times when Jesus demonstrated his, his authority. So I reckon that when Luke says Jesus gave them authority, they would have thought, oh yeah, we know what Jesus means. So for example, the authority recognized by the centurion or the authority Jesus demonstrated when he calmed the storm, the authority when he dealt with the demonic men, two demon-possessed men, authority over the demonic realm, authority over sin in the healing of the paralytic man, the raising of the dead girl, they had seen authority in action. So when Jesus says, I'm giving you authority to go and do, they knew what he was talking about. And uh, for this limited time in that time of the, their discipleship that's what they did they healed the sick they told demons to go and they preached good news he gave them his authority but it was temporary that was just a temporary thing but it amount, amounted to a shift in the balance of power an announcement of a balance of power and this authorization was amazing but was also incredibly significant it was the beginning of a great shift in the balance of power on earth. It was a redemptive act that signified the beginning of a reversal, a restoring of all that had been lost in the garden, when Jesus, which Jesus came to restore on the cross. And we need to understand this moment of significance. 
because this is where our authority comes from too. Jesus came to restore the authority that had been given at creation but had been lost. That's why Jesus came. You remember in the beginning, God created man in his own image completely. That we were a perfect reflection of him in every way. God blessed man, commanded them to multiply, gave them full authority to rule over the earth and every living thing, to rule like God over creation. So when it came to the naming and the categorizing of the animals, God says to Adam, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to call them? God was saying, you do it because it's your domain. This is your job. And God originally gave human beings this incredible privilege. They were effectively the gods of the world. We were created to be in authority, not downtrodden, not victims of creation brought on by drought and famine and earthquakes and so on. We were told to subdue it, to make the earth work for us and to tend it so that it produced food to eat. God never intended for us to be killed by snakes, bitten by crocodiles and stung by jellyfish. Maybe that's what Jesus had in his mind when he declared about the believers in Mark 16. They'll pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them. But the created world was designed to be ruled over and nurtured by humans so that we would have authority over everything that was made, including Satan. See, in the beginning... Satan had no authority to rule. He was an angel, servant of God, and I don't know, what, what was he doing in the garden? You know, sometimes you wonder when you read that story, why did God put a snake with his children? Uh, except We don't know, except that God allowed it. Perhaps it hadn't always been, perhaps he'd not always been there to harm, but for good. One writer suggests that um, we don't know, as we don't know the precise time of Satan's fall, maybe he'd originally been put there to minister to Adam and Eve, to look after them. But then when he saw the favor of God on man and the authority that he'd been given, he got jealous. And so he looked for a way to try and steal man's authority off of him. And the scheme was simple. Get the humans to believe what he said instead of God. He seemed to have built a relationship of trust for them. So if, if I can only get Adam to use his own faith against himself, to disobey God and believe the lie that I give him instead, then I will steal his authority from him. I mean, do you know that that's how he gets authority now as well in our lives? When we choose to believe what the devil says instead of what God says, then he steals authority from us. He still does it. But from the moment that Adam disobeyed God, Satan stole his authority from him. Adam was no longer the prince of the world. John 12 shows us that Satan was until Jesus came to throw that usurper out. Because authority was restored through Jesus. Jesus, the ruler of heaven, was sent to restore order to earth. He came in power, exercising supreme royal authority. And the devil knew what was going on and he tried to trick Jesus to do the same thing. He said, look, if you bow the knee and worship me, I'll give you all of the nations of the world. He was trying by trickery to steal Jesus' authority. It says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. Hebrews 4. He didn't sin and instead, Jesus begins to take back what was stolen and to return man's authority to him along with his created position and power to rule 
over the earth. And this restored authority is shown first to the disciples, having, having shown his authority to them over the whole of Satan's kingdom, sickness, death, oppression, bondage, and disruption of creation. Jesus then releases the twelve to go in authority and do what he's done. And then he releases the 72 to go and do the same. Do you see? But this was just a temporary dispensation that would be completed on the cross and finalized in the resurrection. And the restoration of all things has now begun. So Jesus was able to call his disciples to him again before the ascension and give, and give them this permanent deputation and authorization in the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this permanent commission lasts till the end of time, to go and take back with demonstrations of power, that's how we get to use the Holy Spirit wherever we go. All nations, all time, even to the end of the earth, when Jesus returns to take his place, finally to restore the kingdom, his kingdom on earth. So the restoration of all things had begun. What was lost in the fall, regained at the cross, given before the ascension, authority to extend the rule and the reign of Christ on earth and restore mankind to its rightful place. That's the history. I wanted to give you a quick potted history on where our authority came from. The problem is, despite all of that, and none of that would have been new to you, I'm sure, we don't know, we don't realize the authority that as believers we've been given, let alone how to use it. Am I right? So what does it mean to have authority? Well, it's not the same thing about as having power. You know, power is very visible and demonstrable. The demon leaves, the blind sees, but authority rests in the hidden person which leads to the release of power. Some of you haven't seen the release of power because you haven't known your authority. Both authority and power for miracles are needed to happen, but you can't have one without the other. So I remember in my early days, I tried so hard to exercise power. Do you know what I mean? I, I'd be thinking, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring healing. So I go, I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to, I'm trying really hard. I'm trying to, power, heal, shake and all kinds of things. Didn't work. That people didn't get healed. They just thought I was strange. Or I'd look for signs of my own powerfulness. You know, so you know in those conferences, people go down the lines and people fall over. So I'd go down and I'd try. Nothing happens. Why is it they fall over when he touches them, but not when I do? And uh, instead of cultivating my own hidden sense of authority in Christ, because both authority and power are needed to move in power. But in the kingdom, authority releases power, not the other way around. And if you know your authority, you can exercise power without any effort. That's the point. There's no effort because it's not my power. I stand on my authority and power comes through me. I mean, think about the policeman who steps out in the road to stop a speeding vehicle. In that moment when he steps out, is he exercising power or authority? Authority. If it's power, then he must be Superman because he'll need to exert a greater force than a speeding vehicle to stop it. I don't see that ending well, do you? 
But now the vehicle stops because of the officer's authority, which is backed up by power, the law of the land, which has the power to punish the driver if he refuses to obey. So the policeman's power or ability to act comes from the authority he's been given by another rather, uh, another greater power than himself. And so having authority is about resting in the knowledge of who we are and being confident of who we represent, and that unlocks power. We speak and we act in the name of the one who is greater than us, the name of Jesus, who gives us all authority, to re- all the authority that we need to release the power and ability to do more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. You know that that is the extent, don't you? More than you could ever ask or think or imagine. It's the power of God working through us because of who we are. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, living in us and at, and at our disposal as we exercise authority as sons of God. So, for example, when we rebuke a demon, we don't need more power to do that because Jesus has already defeated Satan. He's won authority over him and his realm by rising from the dead. So when we rebuke a demon, we stand in our authority and demons have got to obey. You stand in your authority. So there was a situation I was involved in a little while ago. I went to a church to speak. And as I was speaking, a man rudely came forward and started manifesting right, right while I'm trying to do my talk. So rude, you know. And so the pastor comes up and he says, okay, let's get the band on. So the band go on and they start playing very loudly (laughs) because they don't want anybody to be distracted by the devil who's showing off right now. And so I go up behind this man and people are starting to shout and like this and I just go up behind him and say, stop it, in Jesus' name. Instantly he fell on the floor and he was set free. I knew the authority that I had. I didn't need to shout at him. I didn't need to do anything particularly other than stand in my authority. This is my meeting, stop it. In Jesus' name. When we pray for the sick, we don't need to work ourselves up or try to manufacture power. We speak healing in his name. We take our position of authority because we have no ability or power of our own. Simple. So I have to stand in his authority because I don't have any ability to bring healing to other people. So any power that is released is in the power of his name. It's also true that if they don't get healed, there's nothing I can do about it either. It's in the power of his name. I rest in that. And the impos- but the impossible becomes possible only because he is able, not me. And some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen have happened with minimal effort or exertion on my part. Do you remember that one? This one. That is so cool. We, Mark is... He's, got an amazing gift of words of knowledge and when he brings words of knowledge I hardly ever he you know when I bring them sometimes people respond when he so I'm glad that nobody responded to one of your they did though didn't they later (laughs) (laughs) so he has a gift of words of knowledge more than I do and uh, we were at this uh, Balti restaurant doing Alpha and he brought a word of knowledge. It's great. All the, um, all the Asian people would bring people for healing. Every time I went to speak, they brought, because the healer was here, I'd have a queue of people from the Asian community who wanted prayer, and they'd all get healed. It was so much fun. Anyway, that's a distraction. So Mark said, there's somebody here who's got circulation problems in their hands. 
and nobody responded. This has never happened before. So we just think, oh, well, it's just one of those things. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But then after everybody else has gone home and we're just there, with it, there's about four or five of us still there, just clearing up and everything, this man shuffles towards us, looking very ashamed and embarrassed, and he said, do you think God can do anything with these? We looked at his arms, and his arms are full of scars all the way down, and he'd been mainline drug addict for many, many years, and his veins were completely shot. He says, my life expectancy is very little because I don't have any veins. I've wrecked them all in every part of my body. And I just looked at him, and with absolutely no faith at all. <laughs> now, of course, I was full of faith, but I just exercised authority, and I reached out to touch his fingers. I said, yes, of course he can, and I put my fingers, and as the tip of my fingers touched the tip of his fingers, there was like an electric shock. I got it, he got it, and I went, whoa, like that, and then I touched his hands again, because I thought I ought to act like I knew what I was doing, <laughs> and we literally, literally, we watched veins growing up his arms in front of us, right in front of our eyes. It's the most <laughs> creepy, and we've now seen that miracle twice. So that man was instantly healed. And so I was still holding his fingers. And, and I was just thinking, I've been really cool about it. Like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff, you know. We, and, we played really cool until we were outside the restaurant. Yeah, uh, we did. Whoa, what just happened? What, did you see that? Did I see that? Did you see that? And, uh, and, then, um, and then I was still holding his fingers at this point because I was trying to look cool. And he suddenly went, wah! Ah, 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 like that. And it's because the blood suddenly surged into his hands. And it was so beautiful. He was going around the whole restaurant, just shaking everybody's hands, saying, I've got warm hands. I've got warm hands. This rather seedy-looking chap. For the... oh, there you go. Hardly any effort. Exercise authority, touch. And this one of the most amazing miracles I've ever seen. Or a look of compassion. You know, often it says that Jesus was moved with compassion and then some of the greatest miracles happen. We think we have to work up power. We actually need to stand in our authority and God releases power. And so authority is about adopting a posture of quiet confidence in who he has made us to be in Christ. There's no strain. There's no stress. There's no proving of ourselves. It's resting in who we know he's made us to be. And the power that is at our disposal, which we have seen in Jesus, is incredible. Anybody want to rest in that? Rest in quiet confidence. A posture of quiet confidence in who he's made us to be. And understanding our identity as the royal sons and daughters of the king is foundational to knowing our authority. And it's only as we begin to understand our position, our authority in Christ, that we are truly able to exercise the power that will set people free, bring healing, restoration, and salvation. Our position for mission, authority. Okay? So how do we exercise authority? So I've said about how important it is to know the authority that we've been given, where it comes from, how it's given to us because of our position in Christ. So how do we exercise it? And what does it mean for us to use authority? 
I just want to look around at you. Every one of you, you need to lift up your chins right now because you have authority because of your identity. This isn't just for leaders. This isn't just for those that do ministry. This isn't just for the extraordinary, the spectacular. This is for every believer. Every believer has authority in Christ because of who they are in him. So the exercise of spiritual authority grows as we grow. As we grow. There's an astonishing line in Luke 2.52 which says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. In favor with God and man. Jesus grew. And if Jesus had to grow, how much more do we? In stature and in wisdom and in favor. And... uh, Spiritual authority is given to us because of our position in Christ, but the extent of authority we can actually exercise is directly proportionate to the relationship we have cultivated with him, the one who has authorized us to act in his name. Did you get that? Shall I say again, because it's a really good line. I wrote it down and everything. Spiritual authority is given because of our position in Christ, but the extent of the authority we can actually exercise is directly proportionate to the relationship that we have cultivated with the one who has authorized us to act in his name. Amen? Greater authority comes with maturity of relationship with the Father. That's why some people seem to move in greater authority than others. They've practiced They've been doing it for years. They've been pushing into this. They've been understanding who they are in Christ. They've been stepping out time and time again. And their authority has grown as they've done that. The fact is is that many Christians fail to progress from being spiritual children to adopted royal sons and daughters. The father adopts us. And in this adoption, we automatically inherit the rights of firstborn sons. That's what kingdom authority is about. Any royal-born People here, kingdom, only one, only one royal, we are in the royal family here. We are royal born sons and daughters of the king. I'm getting tired now, but that's us. Anybody? Oh, wow, come on, you guys. I'm the one that's tired. Um, Because of this immaturity, the fact is that some people never learn to inhabit the realm of authority that God has for them. Because we don't progress. Jesus said, as we were saying earlier, I only see what the Father is doing. This ability comes from an intimate knowledge of the Father and what he's like. So that you can represent him perfectly exercising kingdom authority. Authority grows as you grow. But it can also stay within the limit of a previous revelation or experience of God. So do you know him better today than you did last year? Have you grown? You know, are you closer to him? Are you closer to knowing him as your father than you did last month? What about by the end of today? Have you grown at all today? Because a realm of authority can also shrink. I've known those who've moved in power in years past but have lost something because of sin disappointment, unforgiveness, or bitterness. They lose their authority, and some never gain it back because they lose that connection with the Father. So have you grown this year? Have you taken... That's what I... 
I'm feeling like an agony in saying that to you because I won't see you. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. All right. I want you to grow. I want you to take what we've done today and grow with it and go with it. Uh, take steps of faith that mean you have to be more intimate with him. You know, if you just stay at home and do nothing, you won't need any more authority and you certainly won't have any more demonstrations of power. It's as you go, you grow. It's as you go, you grow. Amen? Secondly, I've done that. Uh, Ah, I thought I'd always said that. Oh, no. This is the second point. I am getting tired. Spiritual authority grows as we go. I just said that, didn't I? It's as we step out, it's as we stand out, as we exercise our faith that our authority grows. Uh, See, a measure of faith, a measure of authority is given to every believer, but it's exercised in faith. If you never exercise your faith and always depend on others... If you never take any risks in God, always playing it safe, you'll never grow in your authority. If you want to grow, you need to take some steps of faith. We all need those moments in God when we will say that unless you turn up, it's not going to happen. (laughs) We all need those moments. That job opportunity, I'm going to step out and do it anyway. That house move, that conversation, that confrontation, those moments when you say, enough, and are thrown onto God because there isn't any other way. And I hate those moments, but those are the times that we grow the most in those times of difficulty and conflict. I'm convinced that sometimes, when you, don't ever pray the prayer, Lord, please, I want to mature in you. Don't do it, because that's what he'll do. He'll, he'll allow you to go through stuff, and you grow, and you'll stretch before you grow. And the stretching is painful, but you will grow, and you'll mature in God. We all need those moments where... We say that it will happen because I say so. How about that one? It will happen because I say so. That quiet confidence that he will do what he says. That he will do all that I ask because of who I am to him. And this comes from hearing and knowing the word of God. It comes from the experience of his continual faithfulness and knowing what he's like. When you exercise spiritual authority in faith, things will obey you as you exercise your God-given rights. This means that mountains will move when you speak to them. Roads will come up beneath your feet, that valleys will level out. This confidence causes both angels and demons to move. The first response to our prayer is rushing to do his bidding, the second to get out of our way. Our authority grows as we go, Spiritual authority often operates through the spoken word. Sometimes things don't move, sometimes things don't change, especially in the demonic realm, simply because everything stays shut up inside our heads. But Satan can't hear your thoughts. <laughs> he can have a good guess, but he doesn't have to act on your, his guesses, only on your words. So you need to speak. Uh, for some of you today, it's about finding your voice again. Command him to leave you. Tell him to stop touching that which belongs to you and those that are with you. To vacate your airspace. To leave your home. Leave your workplace in Jesus' name. Speak. It's only when you speak, when you exercise authority, that he has to leave. So when did you last pray around your house? (laughs) And just declare authority in this place. The authority of Christ. When did you last pray over your bank statement? 
say, Lord, there's insufficiency here. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> or what about in your workplace? A friend of mine is a teacher, not this one. I've got another friend. I've got a couple of other friends. <laughs> and he was a teacher for many years. And he felt God speak to him about going into his classroom. It was a very troubled school, a failing school and in central Birmingham. And uh, he felt God provoke him to fast and pray for his school. So he'd go in early, 6 o'clock every morning, and just walk up and down the halls, uh, the corridors in his classroom, just taking authority, just praying blessing on the children. And the school began to see remarkable things happen, remarkable progress, more peace in the school, amazing things happening. And then he got a call from his headmaster, said, I need to see you. This is about three months into this prayer time. And uh, he said, um, I want to know what you've been doing in the school so early every morning. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, what have you been doing? It looks really strange. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's been on all the CCTV cameras <laughs> that you've been marching up and down the corridors doing this. <laughs> and then my friend explained, oh, I've been praying for the school. I've just been praying that God's peace will come. And I'm praying that we'll come out of special measures and that there'll be incredible favor on us. And the head teacher said, thank you so much. Please pray for me. Take authority. Speak. Use your voice. Fourthly, spiritual authority arrives with you. Some of you need to do a bit of practice on this. You know, when I was first stepping into leadership, I would literally do this. I, I would put on authority like a coat and walk around as if I owned the place. You're looking at me strangely. <laughs> My favorite place to do it was Sainsbury's and M&S. <laughs> I just walk around like I owned the place and wait to see how long it would take for somebody to come and ask me where the peas were. <laughs> and then I knew I was beginning to learn how to walk in my authority. Um, this might sound silly, but there's no sense of arrogance in this because the authority of Christ is not in shouting or boasting or throwing your weight around like this year's Apprentice Stars. It's about a quiet confidence and assurance where you know who you are and you're conscious of who you represent. When you do this, when you grow in this, when you learn how to carry authority with you, atmospheres will respond to you. Things will change because you are there. It's true. So um, we had a, uh, a man in our church who had been coming for a while and um, we had just begun to sort of realize there's something not quite right about some of the things he's saying and realized that he was telling multiple stories to different people at different times and that he had a real problem with lying and the things just weren't adding up. And, uh, uh, and I just thought, oh, Lord, I don't know. How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to confront it? It's so complicated to confront somebody on lying because, I, I, I mean, is he telling the truth? Isn't he? None of us really know. It just doesn't add up. So how are we going to confront this? And I was just praying about it, and, and the Lord just said, invite him around to your house. I'll sort this out. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I invited him to come around to my house and I was sitting, in the, sitting there waiting for him to come and uh, 
invited him in and I said, oh, would you like a drink? Yes, yes, yes. And normally he's talking like this, you know, chat, 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 chat. And I noticed he's quite quiet today. This is, this is unusual. Um, has he got wind of what I'm going to talk to him about or something? I don't see how he could have. So I asked him about his day. I said, what have you been doing today? He can't speak. So I thought, that's a bit strange. So I asked him another question. I said, so um, how's it going at work at the moment? He starts to speak again and then stops. And this happens about four or five times. And I suddenly realize he can't speak in my presence if he's going to lie. God's done something here. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, um, I know, by any chance, is, are you finding it difficult to talk if you're about to tell me something that's not quite true? And he said, <laughs> he said, yes. And then he could speak. I said, so if you're going to lie to me, you can't, you, have you been lying to lots of people then? Yes. I said, so do you want to tell me about your day then? Yes. And I said, we're not going to do that anymore, are we? I said, you can't lie in my church. We don't have lying. And amazing. Do you know how much things change because of your presence, who you are and what you carry? Do you know the authority that you have in Christ? It starts with knowing who you are, but it needs to be exercised. So I want to finish today. I don't know. I don't know where else we're going to go after this. But I want to finish with helping you to exercise some authority. I just felt like there's something that God wanted to do for you. I wanted to leave you on a high. I wanted to leave you with your heads up to know your authority in Christ. So I've got this really brave thing for you to do. I want you to... Have we got it? Yeah? I want you to... Um, Oh, I better keep it up as well, otherwise I won't be able to read it. I want you to make some declarations. This is how you practice exercising authority. Oh, you can't even see that, can you? Can you see that? I can't see that. Oh, it's better. <laughs> Come on then, let's stand up. And what do we do before we do anything? Holy Spirit, fill me. All right, so ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then after three, we're going to just declare these. And this is you exercising authority, okay? And you can read them all later. We'll get you a copy so you can pray them every day and just get used to exercising authority. So Holy Spirit, fill me. Right, here we go. Let's go. One, two, three. I set the course of my life with my words. I declare that I cannot be defeated discouraged, depressed, or disappointed. I am the head, not the tail. I have insight. I have wisdom. I have ideas and divine strategies. I have authority. As I speak God's promises, they come to pass. They stop all attacks, assaults, oppression, and fear from my life. God is on my side today. And therefore, I cannot be defeated. I have the wisdom of God today. I will think the right thoughts, say the right words, and make the right decisions in every situation I face. I expect to have divine appoints. 
to run into the right people and to be delivered from the wrong people. I expect the best day of my life spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and financially in Jesus' name. Amen. Now imagine starting your day with that kind of attitude. You have authority. You have authority. Now there may be some questions with some of those verses. Look them all up and, and see if you still feel comfortable with all of that. But they are powerful. Can I just pray for you? And let's just see what God wants to do. Just felt like we needed to know our authority as we come in to his presence. That's why we didn't start with it. Because if you don't know that you're a son, if you don't know that you're a daughter, you don't know that you can come in to the courts of the king. Thank you, Father. Where's my friend? Come on, Claire. Claire's just going to play for us. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're just going to finish in his presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Today, Lord, we just stand in the authority that you've given us. Lord, you've given us the right as sons of God, as daughters of the King, to come into your beautiful presence. Father, you've given us authority to go and change the world and to exercise power in your name. Father, I break powerlessness. I break it in the name of Jesus. There's none of God. I break heaviness. I break feelings of insufficiency and feelings of I'm a worm that deserves to be trodden on. In Jesus' name. Father, we are your children. We've been bought with your blood and we belong to you forever. Now, Lord, help us to grow. Help us to exercise all authority in your name, to be all that you've called us to be. Father, help us to encounter you, help us to know you, even as we're known. Father God, praise your name. Just thank him. Just thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his love. Thank him for provision. Thank him for your job. Thank you for your family. Thank him. Just let your heart be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you for saving me. protecting me even those times I haven't known it I've not known what you've been doing Lord you've been so good you've always been faithful wonderful father thank you thank you for your fatherhood thank you for Jesus 
Thank you for forgiving me for all my sin. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for filling me, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Just let your worship come out. Just let the worship come. Start to praise him. Start to tell him who he is to you. Start to praise him. Start to call him who he is. You are the Lord. You are the Father of all fatherless. Jesus, we worship you are from the impossible realm but you make it possible but you made it possible for us to come to you Father we worship you we just love you we just want to pour out our hearts in praise and adoration we love you Jesus there's no one like you you're so good you are so good we delight in you Lord Father let us know your delight in you Jesus praise you Lord Precious Lord, come and pour out your presence on us, Father. presence is coming. Just welcome him. Lord, we welcome you. Just like waves of his presence coming right now. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Let's press in a bit more. Just keep worshipping. You are beautiful. Speak in tongues if you speak in tongues or sing in tongues. Let's just press in. Closer, Lord. Come closer. Yes, Father. Praise you, Jesus.
come to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your presence. We love your presence, Lord. We love it when you touch us. Father, we love it when you love us. <laughs> we just love being with you, Father. Beautiful one. Yeah. He's here. He's here. Thank you, Lord. Come and do what you want to do, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we have the right to be here your children <laughs> to be with our dad just to enjoy being in your presence Lord we we're celebrated by you thank you thank you for welcoming us thank you for the father's embrace thank you Jesus wonderful father praise you Lord Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing here, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let him touch you in the way that he touches you. Some people respond in different ways. That's what he was seeing, but that's okay. Just let him touch you. He's here. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, just release your joy in this place right now. Just a sense of his joy coming right now. Just release joy now. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Father. Well, I think I think we're going to leave it there. I just feel like I want to bless you before we go, and I just bless you in the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May he bless your homes. May he bless your families. May he bless your work and your sleep. We bless you. We bless you. Bless your meetings together. Bless your church. Uh, bless those that haven't even arrived yet but are on their way. We bless the unbeliever. 
in your community. We bless conversations. We bless workplaces, that they be fruitful places for bringing in harvest. We bless the harvest. We bless the workers of the harvest. We bless the leaders. We bless the leaders of this church. They would have wisdom from God, strategy and authority. We bless you. We bless every believer in this place with the blessing of God but we bless the unbeliever as well may they contribute to your success we bless you with buildings and resources we bless you may the Lord bless you and keep you forever Amen <laughs>